My name is James Callis. I play Dr. Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. Was there actually evidence in a scene that we knew that he had confirmation that she was on the ship? I don't think there was. I think at some point off camera, Roma would have been like, they have a six in the cell that they're going to use to testify against us. You have to assume now that they're going to reconnect with the fleet and there's going to be an odd alliance. Might be a lot of debate right from the start about there's no way that we're going to let them tag along with us. It could be a trap. They could be following us. Everybody in that fleet could be the fifth. la di da da it's just another ship. They seem so appalled by everything. By everything! <laughs> I can't believe she wore a chicken again! Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is show number 44. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica. I'm Brian, and with me today is... Jason. Michelle. We have a website, galacticaquorum.com, and email gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And a voicemail, 206-350-6756. You have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast for this episode, so we will not be discussing any spoilers, just lots of speculation, and that includes talk about the preview, which I don't watch. Yeah, but you know, you can not watch the preview, but then if you watch any other show on sci-fi in the next 24 hours... You'll see a... You yeah. get 5 million commercials on Battlestar Galactica, so not watching the preview kind of goes out the window. I was at a bar last weekend, and they had a promo for the next Battlestar Galactica, and it showed Starbuck in the hybrids chamber. This is for the last episode. And I was like, oh! Yeah, you can't help. Yeah. yeah sooner or later, you're going to see it. Can they at least not run a scene that answers one of the questions you they left you with in the last 10 minutes of the episode? Right. Yeah. So I just try to avoid it as much as possible. Fine, sci-fi. I'll start avoiding it, too. I'll only watch you for one hour. (laughs) (laughs) Let's play a voicemail from Amanda. Hey, this is Amanda Dominic from Pennsylvania. Once again, I just got to say, I like this episode. Not that much character development, in my opinion, because it was just trying to get all the, like, just make a lot of plot lines, but I really liked it. Like, I had a couple of moments where I was just like, that was odd. Like, when uh, Rosalind says to Starbuck, uh, help me with these visions, and she agrees, and then she asks for Captain Agathon. I was thinking, well, that was a random choice, because from what I last figured, Hilo hates the president, and the president's really, I guess, never too fond of Hilo. I, it just kind of caught me off guard. She could have asked for any random other person, but she chose Hilo. It just made me go, okay, that was new. But also, there was a scene at the end where Sharon was looking for Hera, and she's running around, she's bumping into all kinds of people, and she bumps into the chief, and he is totally indifferent towards her. She's like, help me, my child's missing, and he's like, what? I'm I'm taking the lid off this paint can. This is more important. I don't know why. That just kind of caught me off guard. I'm like, wow, he could care less. Well, I uh, wanted to hear you guys' opinion, and love the podcast. Keep it going. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. Captain Agathon is Athena, right? That came up to me as well. I was wondering which Agathon... I didn't assume it was one or the other. I was like, which one is it? If it's... I assumed it was Athena, but she didn't have Athena go to the ship with her in Baltar. 
Well, Hilo and didn't Hilo get did. Wait a minute, Hilo did. I believe he piloted it over. Yeah, for her to say, "I need Captain Agathon." But who? What house would she have said it though? She wouldn't have been like, you know, I need Hilo. Right. She would have called them by their rank and name, you know? Yeah. I wish she would have said Sharon Agathon or... Yeah. Yeah. But even then, you're still going to call them by their rank and their last name. Hilo's got to be a higher rank. The next rank up would be Major, so... What is Starbucks? She's Captain. Starbucks Captain. Okay. In the Colonial Fleet, it goes Lieutenant, Captain, Major, Colonel, which seems to be almost reserved for the XO... And then your commander, if you are commander of a ship. Right. And then your admiral. Lee was commander for a short time on the Pegasus, but then he got not demoted, because I guess if you lose your ship, you're not really demoted. You just got your title is changed back to major. As far as Tyrrell goes, he did seem sort of distracted, but make the note that who was the one that did eventually come up behind her and take Hera away? That was him. So it wasn't like he just totally blew her off. It was sort of like, what? He did answer her call. I think that was call. an appropriate reaction for someone in his mental state. Yeah, I agree. I don't think someone in his mental state would right away latch on to her franticness and run off with her. I think he's still in this, like, I'm depressed, my life sucks, I don't really care about any of you people mode. But then, you know, he stepped back for a second and thought, oh, wait a minute, I really should help her. I think it was appropriate and understandable. Yeah. yeah. What was I going to say about the final five? I had another... I have a feeling the fifth one will be revealed next week. If they reveal the fifth one... Wait, not next week. We get a two-week break. What am I talking about? Is it? Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get to take a break. I think think it'll be revealed in the next one. Or at least the next one or two. If they do reveal the fifth one, they're going to have to change the intro. To five of them have been revealed. Five of them have been revealed. (laughs) The Earth is next. I kind of miss them having the little intro at the beginning which tells the Cylons rebelled. Yeah, and, I kind of like that. And too. they have a plan because it makes it almost sound like, well, they had a plan and either we kind of put it under the rug or maybe their plan was executed and now they're just trying to go by the seat of their pants or they're just making it up as they go along or something. Like, what happened to the plan? Did they still have a plan? What Did, was the plan? What was the plan? <laughs> The plan, obviously, wasn't to uh, find the final five. The thing about the final five, which is really interesting, is the first seven seem to have this completely different idea of what the final five are. They think they're, I don't know, they have like this godlike or angelic-like image of them. The hybrid intimates that they have been to Earth, which, you know, who even knows how they're going to explain that. Yeah. And then the fact that they say, well, we'll take them with us. Like, they're going to be compliant with everything they want to do. Like, they're like dumb children that are going to just like say, okay, come with us now. Yeah. And the final thought will be like, oh, okay. We've been to all these places and seen all these things and we're supposedly like. But you know what, though? I can actually see that kind of happening because the way that the four are acting now, that they're kind of confused about what their identity is. I think at some point, you know, if they're revealed, they're going to start feeling like they're alienated from the humans, and maybe going with the Cylons isn't such a bad idea. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Did I throw you off? No, it's uh, it's a different <laughs> viewpoint. I had not consider that one. I just wonder if one of the final five is going to... We talked about this before. Like, is one of the final five going to A, crack, or B, get killed? Um, I'm going with crack. <laughs> Well, they didn't do what I wanted them to do, and that was to kill Tori off. Yeah, we were way off on that prediction. That one was... Yeah, because uh, now she seems like a really important part. Yeah. We can't kill Tori off. Can't. Damn it. 
Let's get to a couple emails. One of them is from Jason. Not our Jason, but different Jason. He says, when the hybrid states to Lieutenant Shaw that Starbuck is the harbinger of doom, I personally think she didn't mean the humans. After last week's episode in which Starbuck first meets the hybrid, I got the impression that the hybrid meant that Starbuck would be the harbinger of doom for the Cylons. I would think that if the humans find Earth, that will affect the Cylons in a negative way. Well, if you go back and listen to what the Razor hybrid said, he said, Carathrace will lead the human race to its end. She's the herald of the apocalypse, the harbinger of death. Yeah, but what end? That, right, but if you parse this out, sentence by sentence, Carathrace will lead the human race to its end. Okay, right. It could mean the end of their existence, or it could be the end of their journey. So on that point, mm, could be. But then the next line, she's the herald of the apocalypse, the harbinger of death. Okay, again, if leading the human race to its end is one statement and only one statement, you know, end of line, mm-hmm. you know, carriage return, new paragraph, she's the herald of the apocalypse, the harbinger of death, then yeah, you could say that she is the herald of the apocalypse for the silence. But if you put it all together, it doesn't seem that way. But it could be them trying to be sneaky, the writers trying to be sneaky and saying, yeah, we did say to its end, but we meant to the end of its journey. Writers being sneaky? Never. <laughs> because what the current base star hybrid said to Starbuck was, you are the harbinger of death, Carrot Thrace. So that is very possible. It can mean she's a harbinger of death for everybody, including the Cylons and the humans. And if it's the end, I mean, we've, you know, this goes back to the whole, the next cycle thing. I mean, the human race could reach a, quote, end of its cycle, but it, I mean, it just starts over again. The end might just be that things start over. Like the Matrix. Like the Matrix, which we've discussed before. <laughs> we have another email from Harry. Harry writes uh, about the 12th Cylon, again, going back to the Razor episode the extended version of Razor, where the hybrid talks about the Twelfth will emerge from the shadows seeking redemption. He seems to think that will apply to Lee because he's guilt-ridden over his past actions, which I guess would be the Olympic carrier. I guess that's what he feels the most guilt about. Right. I could see Lee being the one in an earlier time, just based on previous theories we had. But to me, the seeking redemption thing casts a bunch of water on it, cold water on it, because for me, it doesn't seem to fit him. Yeah, and does anybody really want Lee to be the Fist Cylon? Really? Nah. I mean, really, people, do you want him to be the Fist? <laughs> I think, yeah. God. Really? Are you, when they reveal him as a Fist, are you going to be like, oh my God, that's awesome? No, you're going to be like, oh crap. And then we get more Lee in an even more whiny type of role. <laughs> I've got to be a Cylon. Yeah. I like it. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm. There's so many possibilities, but oh, it's such a downer. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking a possibility from Leoben's statement, Adama's a Cylon, from way back in season one. Uh-huh. It, they kind of might have put this out because Lee said it to Adama early in this season, but he said, what if Zack had got off that plane? And you know, would we care if he was a Cylon? Would they really do that? They wouldn't, but you know what? Think about this kind of, well, I don't want to say too much because this kind of deals with the Caprica prequels about. Oh. And no spoilers, but the Caprica obviously deals with the first creation of the Cylons and the Damas and the Greystones, from what we've been told, and which is not a lot, is that they were somehow involved. And if Zack somehow had been killed and they tried to replicate him because they had the technology, you know, maybe he was the fifth Cylon, but I don't know. Oh, you know what, though? If- but there is more than one Adama. See, that's the thing. It's kind of yeah. like a... They're kind of like 
they're doing sleight of hand. They when he says Adama is a Cylon, people were always like, "Oh, it's Commander Adama." And then it was like, "Well, maybe it's Lee Adama." But there is that other guy. It was there was Zach in there too, which would be yeah, weird because think- that would mean that Starbuck. And this is another thing that makes me think it could possibly be Starbuck. Obviously, is drawn to Cylons. She's slept with Lee. She obviously slept with her fiance Zach. She's yeah. had dreams of sleeping with Lee Open. Yeah, so. but Lee's not a Cylon. So we Damn, can't. You're right. <laughs> that theory is blown out of the water. Yeah. Well, Anders is a Cylon. Anders is a Cylon. So. Why do we bother? I don't know. <laughs> we could sit here all day and come up with reasons why everybody in that fleet could be the fifth. Yeah. That's why I wish they would get to it, change the opening credits so it comes up and says, we yeah. know them all. Let's get on with the story. Yeah. Because, yeah, everyone could be a Cylon. But point. then they'll have to explain why the fifth didn't show up. Oh, they will. In that room and really um, wanted Gator to be a Cylon. Continuing. Him and his tiger tattoo. <laughs> yeah. You have to wonder, like, is that the actor's real tattoo? I don't know. I have never found that out. Hmm. Something to ask at a con. Yeah. If he ever goes Let to Let me see any. your tattoo on your chest. <laughs> Getting back to Harry's email, he has another point where he says, how the final five differ fundamentally from the significant seven. He admits, this is a bit silly, so bear with me. My guess is that the Lords of Cobalt, or the Cylon tribe, were angels who served the one true God. They incurred God's wrath as a result of the endless warring on Cobalt, and fearing they might be stripped of their immortality, seven of them started designing mechanical copies of themselves sometime during the first exodus. The five did the opposite by surrendering to God's will, building temples here and there as a sign of complete devotion. God then punished the seven for playing God by mortalizing them. I can't explain the severe amnesia the final five seem to be experiencing or how they proceed to infiltrate the colonies. I have no idea. So he's saying that seven are the fallen angels. Well, originally they were all angels, but the five in some degree maintained their angelicness and the seven were cast down and mortalized. The seven are the fallen angels that went on their own, obviously with Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And then the five are the ones that fell, but realized their mistake and now they're searching for redemption that would be ironic because the seven are the ones who are somewhat immortal because they resurrect and the the five don't although you know they still you know we've been told this but they still have not ever actually said that the final five don't resurrect right is it just because it they could resurrect if they actually had copies maybe they're just no copies maybe they're hardwired to resurrect but they just can't because there's no body for them to go into right the signal would shoot out and they're just kind of like you know. Man, I can't wait till all this is explained. Yeah, I know. Just want to bring up once again that the recaps are being done video-wise by Pike. Check those out on YouTube. This one here was a challenge to write because this episode had so much happening. So, okay. The Demetrius and the Cylon base star coordinate their jump back to the fleet. But the poop ship's FTL has a brain fart. Yes, pun intended. And the base star jumps by itself. It appears in the middle of the fleet and crews scramble. Adama is about to order the attack when Ty has an intuition to give the command, Weapons hold! Natalie is brought aboard and tells the Colonial High Command about Deanna knowing the faces of the Final Five. As Ty and Tori exchange worried looks, Natalie explains that Deanna is at a resurrection hub, and other intel that Athena confirms but somehow didn't think to bring up before. The plan is to attack the hub to free Deanna and, as a huge tactical bonus, permanently disrupt the Cylon resurrection capability. However, there is still distrust on both sides about the Alliance, and the humans and Cylons separately plot ways to maintain control. Meanwhile, Geta's worst fear comes to pass, and he loses his leg. The final four meet. Ty is unnerved about the prospect of Deanna outing them, but Tyrrell is apathetic, saying at least they'll see who the fifth is. 
Anders is preoccupied with Gaeta singing through the pain of his missing limb. Rosalind confronts Tori about sleeping with Baltar and wants to know the source that told Baltar about her having visions. The quorum is getting uppity, so Lee, ever the contrarian, comes to Rosalind in the role of peacemaker instead of agitator. He suggests she might show the quorum a face to allay their fears. Baltar reveals he heard about the visions through Caprica 6, and Rosalind dreams of the opera house, a dream shared also by Athena. Athena wakes to see hair in her face, saying, Bye-bye! Spooky! After Starbuck goes to see Rosalind to tell her about the hybrid's prediction, the president decides to bring in all the players from the opera house vision for a sit-down. Baltar is rounded up, and they take a field trip to the base star. Athena, curiously left out of the opera house mystery tour to the base star, discovers that Hera is a fan of The Shining, and has colored pages and pages of sixes. Despite being given a clue about Hera's imminent departure plans, Athena somehow has a brain fart of her own and forgets to close the door. She realizes that Hera is missing. For Athena, the opera house vision has become reality. She frankly runs through the halls, looking for a missing child. She finds Hera in front of Natalie. In the vision, the blonde six takes Hera away. Determined to keep that from coming true, Athena shoots Natalie. Rosalind, Starbuck, and Baltar enter the hybrid's chamber and plug her back in. The hybrid's eyes snap open, and she immediately shouts, Jump! And the base star does just that, disappearing from the fleet. Roll credits. Dun dun dun. And let me take my let me take a breath, because my goodness. Blah, 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 blah. So much stuff happened in this episode. It was great. It was a great episode. I don't, I don't understand why Athena shot Natalie. I really don't. Unless you just want to pawn it off as pure, you know, mother protecting but daughter. Still, thing. it's not like Natalie was doing anything to her or was going to do anything to her. Well, put yourself in her mindset. She's had this vision for weeks of her child missing, running through the halls, trying to find her. In the vision, the six is the one that snaps her up and takes her to some place that she cannot get to. And lo and behold, this comes to pass. She runs through the hall. She finds a six there with her kid. I did think it was interesting that Natalie was not trusting about what was going to happen with the Alliance, and in the end, what did her in was not a human, but a, a Cylon. I thought the better part of that was she shot the Cylon she knew while giving up her kid to another Cylon. She just didn't know it was a Cylon. Right. My other theory just got completely shot out of the water. I've thought for months now that Gata was the fifth Cylon, but now that the show is actually pushing us in that direction, I refuse to believe it anymore. <laughs> I'm all upset about that. I know! He was perfect. He would have... Yeah. But you know what? If they do end up making him the Cylon, I'm going to be like, you know, come on. Couldn't you have done it more, like, covertly? And I have nothing against, like, gorgeous voice, if that's really his voice. Oh, yeah. But they act like that singing is like this thing that's never been done in the colonies ever. Have they never been in the showers and heard people going, Yeah, I mean, they're all acting like song. It's this just weirdest thing ever. But through the history of the show, have you ever heard music? No, you haven't. Except for the... At all. Except for the drumbeat of war... Kind of yeah, but you've music. never heard, like, when they listen to the radio, they don't listen to music. You never hear anybody listening to, you know, CDs or tapes or just any kind of music they might have. They, you just don't hear them listening to it. I thought he had a great voice. Except, you know what? If I was in that ward, after a while, I'd get really oh, irritated with yeah. him singing. I'd be like, dude, you just need to shut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we heard you the first time. I get it. You're in pain. You're missing your leg. But you know what? I'm dying over here. I didn't mind the singing too much. They kept it to me in just small enough portions that it wasn't aggravating to us, although it might have been for the patients sitting around them. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the scene in The Return of the King where whatever hobbit that was was singing that song to that crazy guy, the crazy king. Wait a minute. The hobbit was singing a song? 
Yeah, they're going into battle because the one king of Gondor is, or the leader of Gondor is saying, attack, and he's like, this is going to get us all killed, and he starts singing a song, and they intercut with them oh, charging into battle. That was Dominic's character, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Mary? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. That's exactly what it reminded me of, too. It's like the same melody as well. Right. But Especially I, at the end, when it was just him and a close-up on his face. Yeah, definitely. Now... Was that makeup they put on him to make him look like that, or did they just not do makeup to make him look like that? Well, they really cut his leg off, and so... Because he, he's, <laughs> exactly. he's, a, he's a method actor. He, exactly. <laughs> you know... He's like, oh, I got in this motorcycle accident. Oh, my God, they have to take it, my leg. They're like, as much, ah! As much as they We said, can write this into the show. On the one hand, it would be kind of interesting if they did have him be the Cylon, the fifth Cylon, because think about Ty lost an eye. If Gata loses a leg, symbolically, if, like, each Andrews of the is castrated. <laughs> symbolically. <laughs> if symbolically they used to have a piece of them, a piece of their humanity that's missing. That maybe be huh. some maybe that's something they're going for. Yeah, I kinda like that. Tori lost her sense of like not being a slut. That was the other great scene. And you know me, I, I really like the action as opposed to the talking. But in a show that had so much going for it, that conversation between Tori and Rosalind was the best scene in the whole thing. Oh yeah, I how love Rosalind. Rosalind played that was just fantastic. Well, it wasn't just that it was a great line. It was just the delivery was so great. Like, I know I'm right. You know, stop digging the hole. You know, you don't want to go there. Yeah. It's like, seriously, couldn't she just, like, Tori has to listen to her because if she pisses, if Tori pisses her off, can't she just say, like, hey, you don't work for me anymore. Go back to, like, whatever ship you were on previously. She has to realize she's in a somewhat precarious position because she can't just say, you're fired, go off with us on the ship because she knows so much classified information. They can't just have her just go anywhere. She has to be, like, not locked up, but they'd have to keep her separate from the rest of the, the we fleet, the public. just kill her. Or kill Tori, kill Tori. <laughs> <laughs> One comment. The thing that threw me was Natalie was talking so matter-of-factly about getting the five and taking them with us. They never really explored the, the idea that what if the five don't want to go? And I think that could be a plot point. Mm-hmm. Second, if Cylons can actually die and it changes everything. It, it'll totally mess with Cavill's mind. That would be one of the greatest scenes I think they could do ever. Cavill's reaction when he realizes that he could die because he's definitely gone off. He's going off the whole immortal deep end. Mm-hmm. And I think the actor would have a great time with it too. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about this episode was the fact that there was such a nice balance to all the characters. If you look at this episode in comparison with the last one, like when I... I take notes for this, and so, like, last episode was pretty much, like, Demetrius. This happens on Demetrius, and then the base star, and this one here, it was different scenes with different characters, talking to other characters, then they talked to a separate character in another later scene. That's hard to do, and I really think they pulled it off really well. What do you, like, give me an example. They made it seem like much more of a broad-range interaction than just, like, three or four distinct separate stories. Going along in parallel. Just consider how many interactions... I'm Michelle Dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, just for an example, just consider how many interactions Rosalind had in this episode. She talked to Lee, Starbuck, Six, Baltar, Adama, Tori. That's a lot of different characters to interact with in different scenes. And you could do that same exercise with several of the characters who each talk to different people along the way. And what I liked was, aside from the Lee Quorum thing, which, as usual, was the one little bit of drag... They're such on this whiners, episode, aren't they? I know. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of momentum towards a conclusion. Consider how, in this episode, they had 
several things that were new or they discussed. They learned about the Resurrection Hub. The Colonial Fleet people learned the final five were in their fleet. We had the Cylon Human Alliance. There was the next puzzle piece in the Opera House. Natalie's killed, presumably. And the thing that I appreciate the most is that the main players, Baltar, Rosalind, Starbuck, are finally on the same page about the Opera House. There's no more obfuscation about keeping it, them separate and them not knowing about it just for the sake of prolonging the story. It's like, we've got momentum toward a conclusion. They're on the same page. Let's move forward. One of the things that bugs me to no end in movies, books, is when people don't talk to each other. And the sole reason is just so that the author or the writer can keep it prolonged and stretched out. And it bugs me because characters doing stupid things for no reason other than, oh, let's make this go one more act or one more chapter or several chapters. And I'm so glad we're, we're moving ahead. Right. I'm not saying tell me everything I need to know in one in the next episode, but don't give me an episode that's so obviously just padding. Yeah, or leaves you with more questions like, what the fuck? <laughs> or if it's going to give you more questions, don't make those questions completely supersede what you've been told up till now. Yeah. And I think with the whole uh, opera house thing, I think Rosalind's just at a point now where, you know, she doesn't have time, so she wants to just get it over with. You know, she's not going to pussyfoot around it anymore. Well, that's what she basically said. Yeah. That's what she told Lee. I don't have time to deal with a bunch of whiny children. Yeah. Which I kind of like. I like that there's no more pussyfooting around. I love how, like, whenever they show the quorum, they somehow have gotten the actors to always put on these faces like they are just a bunch of petulant brats. Yeah. I've always got this expression like... I can't believe she said that, or I can't believe this is happening. And I'm like, oh, good God, people. It's, I mean, you know, you're all for, like... They seem so appalled by everything. By everything. <laughs> I can't believe she ordered chicken again. <laughs> I wanted fish. Uh, no more algae, please. And you're all for, like, people trying to get back to normal, but she's completely right, too. I mean, the quorum's trying to pretend like they're just, like, back in some big monstrous building on a planet running a civilization, and they're not. So stop getting your panties in a wad when there's, like, a military secret mission that you don't know about. Besides, they should be all for Rosalind, because Rosalind's the only one keeping Adama from just taking the fleet back over. Yeah. Disbanding the quorum. So you have your quorum. Tell you what, you quorum guys, I'll go on that ship over there and do all your business, and if you find us after the next jump, fantastic. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to wait to see Lee actually do something uh, worthwhile worthwhile ever. that that he can really make a big difference. You know he's going to be the savior of the whole show. He's, it's all going to end up... Like Is he going to be like the Will Wheaton who's going to like come yeah, through with some kind of... of yeah, yep. We're all going what? to go... Him? Really? <laughs> what? What are you talking... What? You know, like Will in the Wheaton first season of... Are you knocking Will Wheaton? No, I'm knocking how the the first... Wesley. Wesley. Like the first season or two of TNG, they had almost every episode, little Wesley would be the one to come up with the (laughs) incredible solution to the problem. Because Wesley was brilliant. Don't you understand? Look, the only reason he was on that show was A, he had the hot mom character, and B, just the whole Ashley Judd episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I remember that one. Oh, come on. I don't remember that one. What what self-respecting male sci-fi geek doesn't remember the Ashley Judd episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? Okay, so I don't count because I'm a girl and I don't remember that episode. To be honest, even you should remember it because she's just that hot. (laughs) What did she do in it? It was the one where the video game took them over and, like, it made them all fall under some kind of, like, mind control spell. I mean, like, they tried to make you believe that, like, someone of Will Wheaton could, like, actually get Ashley Judd, but we knew that was kind of 
not with Will, but I really hope was... Will listens to our show. <laughs> I really do. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Battlestar fan, so I hope he listens. <laughs> it's fantastic, Michelle. I can't believe you've been saying all this stuff. <laughs> but no, it's the Ashley Judd... I'm sorry. If I just say the Ashley Judd episode of Next Generation, that should be enough to trigger anyone. I don't mm. remember that. I kind of remember a virtual reality thing. I don't remember. Basically, everyone was under mind control, but... Ashley Judd and Will Wheaton, and then she succumbed, and eventually he figured out how to save the ship again. Except instead of coming up at the end to save the ship, he was actually involved from the entire get-go. But yeah, was that was a little bit different than usual. Usually it was like he'd be absent, and then like the last couple scenes, suddenly he'd be like, ah, oh, here comes Wesley onto the bridge. Ah, I have this idea. <laughs> I've been exactly. Li- right. I've been listening secretly over the intercom to all these things I shouldn't be listening to, since this is a top-secret military kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a part of the crew. Yeah. Okay, but back to Battlestar. Uh, I guess... That was a non-set word. Yeah. But, um... I can't see Natalie being dead. I just don't buy it. Because I think it makes a lot of extra work to create a new leader of the Cylons and a new go-between. She at least has to have a death scene where they have some kind of exposition. She can't just be gone. Well, I could see if she was shot once, and then they have a thing where, like, Hoddle has to, like, put her on the table... But she shot it twice. She's like, shot it once, and then for a good measure, it was like a second one. Right in the chest. Yeah. Okay, I just don't... I don't. I, I agree mean, with she you. she might be dead. But like I said, it, it creates a lot more work to do because she was so obviously the leader. We know that none of the Sharons are going to take over. Leoban's a little too spacey to be like, you know, the guy talking to the Colonials. I mean, granted, maybe that's part of the plot. Maybe it's that these breakaway Cylons tried to help, and they just screw it up so masterfully. But it really makes things a lot more complicated. You think the ship jumped? And again, I haven't seen the preview, so that's that's the, it's a great, great cliffhanger. Where did they end? Where did they end up? Did, because she just came back online, they could she wouldn't have any idea about back to where they were originally. Mm. I don't see her jumping into like the cavil fleet. But right. you never know. But you never the know. way the show goes, it's right. possible. It could be at the cavil fleet. It could be at where the battle was. It could be the last jump point where the Demetrius was. Maybe all the hybrids have a built-in command that says if you suffer some amount of damage... Silent homeworld. You automatically jump to this point. Yeah. That would be cool if they went to, like... We never saw the Silent homeworld. Because, obviously, they they sent the Raptor out to the hybrid hub, and they saw a bunch of stuff. And maybe there is a different area where it's, like, a safe zone where, you know... If I was a smart, mechanized kind of society, that would make a lot of sense to me. Now, they said that they said they had lost all their Cylon fighters, mm-hmm. but they said the base star would heal itself. So I was actually trying to... Was it actually, like, regrowing, like, <laughs> the tips that were cut off, or was it just healing itself internally? Probably internally, yeah. I can't see it creating... It probably can't create metal. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's long. no foundry inside it. Yeah, it's... But maybe it's like an organic hard substance. You're right. Maybe it's not necessarily metal. Metal or carbon fiber or something hmm. like that. True. Yeah, that was a neat little seizure they did when the when the raptors were landing on there and it was like like the cell wall opened up and closed. That was gross. Oh, that was pretty <laughs> cool. <is> so gross. <laughs> they made weird funky noises. I really think that's the thing that got me. I don't think that the people going on to the base star were acting like they should have been. Everybody was walking onto that base star the first time, like, la di da da it's just another ship. Yeah, it's like, oh. no, you're walking on, not only are you walking onto an enemy ship for the first time, 
it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's part living, part ship. And they're just walking around it like, hey, what's here? What's there? Hey, look, there's the mess hall. Baltar should have been like, okay. Right. Yeah. Everybody else should have just been a little, had that kind of all look in their face the first time. Well, Starbuck at least was in a fire mm. and kind of had an idea. Yeah. And but so- it's like the, just like the, the Marines that were just kind of standing on the flight deck, you know, when the Centurions walked through them. They should have been like, what the hell? They should have put their guns up. I mean, they've, yeah. been, they've been trained from Marine birth yeah. to put your guns up when you see one of these things. And, like, one hits him, and they're just like, what are you doing? It's, it's like it's a guy in a bar who just hits you in a store. Unless all of them were kind of desensitized from the new Caprica situation. But even then, they should have... But even then, it's still the enemy. Yeah. But just the way the ship operates should have blown a lot more people's mind than what they were passing off. Like, Roslyn walking into the... Well, maybe Roslyn, who's all spacey anyway, but... Like, the Marine guards walking into the hybrid room. Right. Should have been like, there's a half a human lying in a pool. I expected more of a reaction out of Rosalind to that. I expected her to be a little more appalled and a little more kind of like, this is horrific. I cannot believe you did this to... A person. Yeah. Or something. I I expected a little more reaction out of her. I definitely feel the same way. I felt like on entering this chamber, and maybe Athena might have told them about it, probably not based on what she never says, but... You enter this chamber, it's really, again, it's it's not the CIC, it's something completely different. And it's sort of like, okay, plug her in. You're expecting them to look around with their eyes wide open, mouths open, agape, and be like, wow, I can't believe this thing works like this, and I can't believe that she's in there, and why is there a smoldering pile of Centurion in the corner? What happened in here? From last episode. I'm sure the Centurion went in there. The yeah. cleaner robots probably came <laughs> The cleaner Centurions? Yeah. Great episode. I mean, obviously, there's going to be little things that you're going to... If you talk about it enough, you're going to say, why not this one at that? But no, it's fantastic. Mm. All right, let's give our grades. I'm giving it an A. It was a great episode. I'll give it a D+. Plus. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard scale. No, it's definitely an I'm going to blow your mind, and I'm going to give it an A, too. <gasps> wow! I really thought they did a fabulous job narratively putting all those characters in all those scenes, driving the story forward... It wasn't all just talk, talk, talk either. It was the beginning with the, the teaser when the base star shows up and they launch the Vipers. And then at the end, a little bit of drama with Natalie at gunpoint. And I thought it was just great. So there you go, BSG writers. If you want to get an A from Brian, do an episode like that. It felt cinematic to me. You know, it didn't feel like a TV show. It felt like what you almost expect like a BSG movie would be when they are forced to, in a 90 to 120 minutes, like, we have to put all these characters in and we have to make it move along. You know, last episode, which was also very good, was completely different. It was basically 75% Starbuck on the Demetrius and the base star, and then, like, maybe 25% of Rosalind and her cancer patient friend. Right. This one, just think about how many different places and characters there were. So two very different examples of a great writing. So that will bring the show to a conclusion. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com and our voicemail 206-350-6756 and our website galacticaquorum.com. The clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Where's the clock running? <laughs> it's FTL reference. Got it. Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm Polish and I'm blonde. <laughs> <laughs>